Hi, I'm James Kane. And I'm Cassandra Tees. And welcome to the Tony Club. Where we read and re-examine the Tony Award winners for Best Play and Best Musical year by year. We're back. We're back. Sorry, guys. It's been six months, we just checked. And uh, uh, yeah. yeah, it's been a while. It's been a long time. We were busy. It's not really an excuse. We just have been doing other things and kept trying to do this and then kept being like, oh, Sunrise at Campobello. Where are we going to get that from? I'm going to have to walk 15 minutes away to the library. Yeah, we're right next to Toy It's Fikari, like actually so literally down the road. Not so even 15, not even like excuse. five it's minutes. like five minutes away. Um, but yeah, so things all happened. Things compounded. We didn't do any episodes for six months. It's quite bad. But we're back now that's good yeah uh um in the in the meantime we've been writing our own plays and scripts Doing uh, our own if performances, you're based in wellington writing. you can regularly see those yeah. uh, but now we are back listening and reading we did listen yeah we yeah, do we listen to the musicals some music and we also read we did some accents yeah yeah James plenty of like ripe accents. FDR impression. It was great. Yeah, I didn't actually know what FDR sounded no, like. I think we so, were we sort of like looked up a couple of pages into Sunrise. I'm, I modeled my later. character on uh, Michael Cerverus in Fun Home because he has that wise sort of, oh God, even though this is like FDR in his early years, I thought like a homely American man um, who is built like an Homely ox. in terms of homey rather than in terms of not good looking, right? Oh yeah, homey. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. yeah. So uh, we also, we were basically spurred into doing another episode of our podcast, not only because of the weighing guilt, the impending guilt that mm-hmm. we've been feeling for the past like three months at least Absolutely. of it's having not up. done one, but also because the Tony Award nominations for 2018 have just come out and we're like, it's basically been a year since we uh, last yeah. talked about Tony and nominations. And it's this very day um, so on So we figured that we may as well have a little bit of a chat about that. Um. How do you feel about the nominations? Have you had a chance to have a proper sort of look? Yeah, um, yeah. So I've had a look through uh, uh, a couple of hours ago. And um, so my excitement lies more in the kind of play uh, area. Mm. I've heard, I, I've, I've read more about the plays. Um, I'm obviously aware of some of the musicals as well. But um, so because we do uh, play first in our uh episodes let's do play first here yeah so for best plays we've got a whole lot actually of british imports we were discussing yeah. before yeah Should so obviously pre- harry potter and the cursed child is like the big kind of thing mm-hmm. we have the script of it we tried reading it it's quite bad i've heard from most people that have seen it that the production is good the script isn't really anything to write home about but it's i don't know in some ways it reminds me of like the way people are talking about the avengers film and that they're like it's impressive how they've managed to like weave together this very complicated plot in a you know way that it's very coherent yeah that's but, an interesting point i mean i feel like we're just a lot of the theater that we're seeing and mm. just a lot of medium that we're intaking now is just a lot more visual it's and people say this production is fantastic people love uh, magic on stage i think we're just going to keep on seeing more and more of yeah that kind of um and it's not exactly the sort of theater artwork. that i'm super super interested in but i feel like you know if somebody gave me free tickets to go see it i go see it yeah <laughs> or cheap tickets and even. i like uh jamie um, parker um i got to see him on uh the globe stage playing um henry the fourth uh, well, henry, uh prince hal in henry the fourth part one and two he's got a nomination as well for best actor in a play so that's cool yeah he's fantastic yeah. and i think it'll be interesting to see him play harry potter um, and I love that they have Hermione as, as a black woman and um, I, I don't know Ron Ron Ron's just probably <laughs> no one knows Ron Ron is in a <laughs> um, um, did any yeah. of the kids kids wouldn't get an arm um, I think one of the kids but he's like actually a 20 something year old playing oh, a teen course. yeah 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 um, this one um, Anthony, Anthony Boyle. Boyle I wonder if he was I think he's like 
Albus Potter or one of the, the actual oh, lead okay, character. Right, right. Because everyone um, was all about um, Lucius, wasn't there? Weren't they? Uh, you mean uh, no, Scorpius Malfoy? Scorpius, the yeah, yeah. yeah. Boy. I don't know. Um, again, this is us speculating on stuff we didn't, we did not finish reading the play. But Sorry, I mean, he... Alex, who bought us the play to read. <laughs> if you are listening, because <laughs> yeah, I know you are nice one of the few yeah. listeners. Um, um, yeah. So the children, I just want to quickly jump in about because mm. uh, the children. Um, it's a uh, British play about uh, three scientists um, in a kind of. Uh, post-apocalyptic kind of world um i think a it's a radioactive uh uh world and there's flooding um and they uh, uh there's a couple and then a a, a friend uh shows up and uh they have a kind of interaction and there's some kind of tension of is she infected is she not um and i know that uh, melbourne is staging it as well um i think it's melbourne theater company and i'm super interested on reading uh what it is i don't know it's just one of the ones that has kind of leapt out to me mm. Um, the other two, Farinelli and the King and Junk, I don't know very much about. I only um, know that Farinelli and the King features apparently a very Rylance good Mark Rylance performance. And which, I, I mean, always good. That could carry any Love play. a lot of Mark. Um, Latin history for morons. I remember when I was over in the States a couple of years ago, that one was on in an out-of-town tryout mm. somewhere or like in a development season somewhere. Um, I remember it getting like ish reviews at that time, but I know that it's had like two or three other seasons since then, made its way to Broadway, did a limited season. But I've, um, I've read that some critics say that it might just be the filler kind of role, uh, filler play for that, but hmm. it's great to see John Leguizamo. Yeah, Leguizamo um, got a special Tony Award for his plays, which is quite exciting. Oh, fantastic. Um, yeah. I really like him as a performer as a, and yeah, haven't really his plays, but... Well, he's just did a lot of like um, one man show stuff throughout the years right. about um, yeah, Latin American experience and his sort of. And that's fantastic. I think really cool. like you know making that uh, information as mainstream as possible. Broadway is relatively mainstream. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think a lot of them were filmed, which is good. For oh, fantastic. Casts and stuff. Cool. Um, should we talk about the musicals? Yeah. Yeah, so for original musical, it's a bit of a slim category this year, especially when we're comparing it to last year where we had like heavy hitters of Great mm. Comet, Dear Evan Hansen, and Come From Away. Is it usually um, four or five? or? Uh, usually, I mean, basically you need to have three minimum to do right. to do the category. If you don't have three, then they just cut it. Mm. Um, the band's visit, I haven't actually heard the soundtrack for. I know it's based on a film which is quite beloved, and it was probably the most critically acclaimed of the ones on the list this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so my bets are on that band's visit is going to take out a lot of the categories because right. it's the one that I think people admire the like most. The other ones, it's kind of like people like bits and people enjoy the source material perhaps but they don't necessarily love the musical as a whole there's been some sort of mixed reviews and that's Frozen, Mean Girls and Spongebob Spongebob I have lots of thoughts about because I saw the Chicago um, well the out of town tryout in Chicago um, which was a development season um, was not a fan I've uh, written a lot about that <laughs> in my yes. initial things. You should I publish that more more openly. Yeah, maybe we'll put it. We could put it as additional attach materials. It. We'll attach it as additional oh, materials. We're Cassandra's a review about SpongeBob the, the musical. Um, but yeah, the uh, the whole thing of different songs written by different artists uh, making the score. It's like instead of a jukebox musical, it's like um, they've just commissioned different pop artists basically to write music for different scenes in the show mm. um and i found it was really like quite musically uninteresting and not particularly coherent as a score um and also i felt like there's this whole thing where the comedy just drops out as soon as you get to a song so you're trying to do this funny show and i mean i had issues with um yeah the way the that they the use place. the comedy and how it doesn't really develop it doesn't really feel like a direct um 
parallel. adaptation of SpongeBob, which I'm a big fan of, as in, in the original series, the, the original three that seasons that count as like the real SpongeBob. Um, <laughs> we still have to see that. the second SpongeBob film because we hear that's very good too. Ah, uh, yeah, but um, Antonio Banderas. Yeah, but um, yeah, there's this whole thing where the comedy just drops out as soon as you get to a song, which was kind of, I found it really annoying. But I also thought that some of the actors were good, and so I don't mind. Ethan Slater and Gavin Lee getting some nominations for oh, that. They were both quite there? funny. Um, yeah, and <clears throat> Tina Landau's direction of it, I thought, like particularly visually, is very interesting. So it's cool that she's got a nomination mm. as well. Can we uh, um, can we very very quickly talk about best revivals? Um, yeah. Um, do we have anything about Frozen or Mean Girls? Nah. That? No, I hear. I mean, I mean I'm quite yeah. curious to um, hear the full thing of Mean Girls because I think uh, yeah, Tina Fey's written it and it could be quite funny. I mean, I, don't know, I read a couple of reviews that suggested probably book lyrics pretty good score nah. i've heard mm-hmm. the one song that one that barrett Mulbert weed is doing and was just not really into it um right. but yeah um should we talk about revival of a play yeah revival of a musical so i'm super thrilled this, I, I like this one a lot actually yes, this is, everything this is in this category things. makes yeah. me so happy so <laughs> first angels in america which is the um the version that was developed at the national theater with andrew mm. garfield and nathan lane um, has, whom have got acting nominations as well yeah has, has transferred um, we're super keen to see an uh, a live version, NT Live or really whatever. Really keen to watch the NT Live Broadway version. I haven't seen it yet. HD so. version, um, um, because think, apparently it's that's incredible, right? Yeah, and I mean, like all, like all good theater nerds, we're big Angels in America fans. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, the, the writing in that is yeah, incredible. Um, obviously, it's, it's something that I would have really, really loved to see. Um, and um, the fact that it, it's it's actually broken the record for most nominations for Best Revival of a Play. It's got mm. eleven nominations, which I think shows just how critically acclaimed. Um, and yeah really really beloved this version is the thing i found most interesting is that it's actually got a best score uh nomination which usually is just musicals um, rather than best sound design um this is the first time at least as far as i've been following the tonys closely that i've seen a straight play get a best score nomination which is pretty exciting me too um, other Lo- stuff in here. Lobby Hero um, is, I believe, a new play. Um, it's... No, it's a revival. Is it? It's, it's oh, of course, it's a revival. It's in the revival. So how long category. ago is it? I don't actually? know. Because um, I, I haven't come know. across it. I th- um, I'm sure it's... Yeah, Kenny Lonergan's doing stuff for a while. Oh, it's Lonergan. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I it, it sounds super interesting. Uh, mm. it, uh, it's, it's about, like, office um, dynamics, pretty much, in terms of... I have no idea what it's about. It's got Michael Cera in it. Michael Sarah and, and Chris Evans <laughs> as well, Captain that. America. Oh, yeah. Um, Cass believes that of the Chris's in the uh, Marvel Universe or just in the Broadway, uh, in the Hollywood um, structure, that Chris Evans is probably the most. No, it was Chris bland. Pine that I didn't like. Yeah, but you think Chris Evans is pretty low. Chris Evans and Chris well. Pine, I also get mixed up. Mm. Whereas the Pratt's and the. Um, what's it's the other definitely one? Definitely Hemsworth, Hemsworth, Pratt, Evans, Pine, probably in order of Chris' yeah. favouritism okay. from Yeah, me. well, he, he missed yeah. out on a nomination, so actually, um, uh, Broadway might. Uh, reflect these opinions as well. So yeah, yeah we really uh, we Kenny Lonergan is um, a super interesting He's playwright. Some very good stuff, uh, as well as films. Um, um, Three Tall Women um, is an Orby play um, that is really really cool and features it's Glenda Jackson, right? Yes, um, also got nominated for best actress in a play. And I think that's a swoop for her yeah. um, because yeah. I mean the, the other um, nominees don't look. I mean, yeah, I, where did we have it? it she's just. Yeah, I think it's she's definitely not going to get beaten out by like Amy Schumer. I don't think. Yeah, and it's children <laughs> of a lesser god and Saint, yeah. Saint John, which, both of which like mm, plays. But I think Saint John is a pretty good good play, but it's just um, I don't yeah. know. Sure, sure is having a moment in some areas in New Zealand right now with um, 
Mrs. Warren's uh, profession, with some of our, our theatre mates in it up in yeah. Auckland. Um, so go well for, I think it's opening tonight, so... Yeah, well, well, if we get this out, then... <laughs> oh, we'll get it out, <laughs> we'll get it out. Um, uh, yeah, Three Tall Women's a really interesting play. Um, I don't know if... Uh, well, I, I know it's not my favourite Albee play, because um, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf or The Goat would probably take that, but Three Tall Women's really interesting. I'd love to see it staged. Um, just might, you might hear this a couple of years from now, and we might be staging Three Tall Women, or I might be staging it. I know Red Scare <laughs> doesn't like... Yeah, we'll do... Yeah, there might be... Three Tall Women's super interesting. Um, should we talk about Revival of a Musical? Um, so Oh, wait, 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 sorry. Oh, wait. Um, Travis's is also super cool. Um, it's by Tom Stoppard, and uh, it's really interesting. It's like a weird mashup of... Yeah, we um, might get to chat about some of these later on in the show because I think a lot of them might have won Tonys in the original. Yeah, I just want to say that um, well. I, I super dig it. And also Denzel Washington is in The Iceman Cometh, apparently. And yeah, yeah. I always thought The Iceman Cometh, just as a side note, like for some reason something about the name of it i thought that it was like he was a hitman and they called him the Iceman because the ice people <laughs> well i mean and he was come coming there is and a so there is hiding. a film called the Iceman with uh, michael shannon where he is well that's what, like we, what i was thinking hitman. of that yeah. was probably what i got mixed up except that was made in like 2011 or something like that well maybe maybe i wasn't i don't know it just seems very like i and i read about it and i was like oh it's just like they're in a bar i was like oh <laughs> yeah um yeah. never read that one we we'll, might have to at some point oh it's pretty bland um, oh no it's earlier we, it's, it's pre pre Tony's display. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. We've done Long Day's <laughs> yeah. Journey tonight. Yeah, um, um, and also the most popular version of that, um, uh, <laughs> the film version features Kevin Spacey, and oh, that's no. not happening. Not um, yeah, so best revival of a musical. The last little thing we'll chat about before we get on to our main sort of content. Um, so we've got Carousel, My Fair Lady, and Once on This Island. Um, now, My Fair Lady, we have talked about, if you recall, in the previous episode of this podcast six months ago. Yeah. Um, and we have a lot of thoughts about it. Um, there was some um, doubt or, or, or um, curiosity or concern from the critics that uh, uh, if My Fair Lady and Carousel would be recognised in these categories because um, they say that uh, there's a lot of contention between the content of the play with hmm. this kind of Me Too movement that's happening right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things where in order to put on Carousel, which is a musical that, like, canonically in its text implies that, like, domestic violence, it minimizes domestic violence, mm. basically. It's saying, like, a person can be violent towards their partner and that's a way of showing love, which is, as a, as a moral thesis, is pretty repugnant. Pretty fucked. Um, and then My Fair Lady, which obviously has a lot of, like, very misogynistic kind of views in it, particularly in the way that it's resolved as opposed to how Pygmalion is resolved. Um, as we've talked about, so we won't go into that one in length, but it's I'd be very interested to see how these have been tackled by people that were staging that with that stuff in mind, because my understanding yeah. of it is they're both trying to be like, let's work out how to put this on in a way that honours what's good about these shows, but also does engage with that stuff. Yeah, um, so I've, I've I don't know. heard yeah. some people comparing Eliza Doolittle's characterization in this version of like I was saying like proto-feminist or something like that hmm. and I was like oh I don't know I mean I wonder if we would go that far but um yeah. it's definitely yeah they're definitely trying to do something interesting with yeah. it once and on this island is one that I don't know that much about I know they just did it at Tufkari last year and didn't go and see it and I should have um apparently it was good yeah yeah I've heard a lot of interesting kind of things I heard that the um uh in the New York Times they said that one of the most interesting kind of performers um there's a really show-stopping number um uh, I think they're called Asaka, uh, the character. Um, just hasn't been recognised in this, which they found super weird because it's mm. one of the best parts of the show. But, 
yeah, that about rounds up our chat on the 2018 Tonys, unless you have anything else to say. No, shall we move straight on ahead into the 1958 Tonys, which is where we are. We are still in the 50s. Um, Nearly out of there. We're though. almost out of the 50s. Um, and so is the the culture of the time, I guess. At <laughs> Good call. Good the segue. time that we are looking at this play, because we've got a lot of interesting stuff to talk about in terms of our play and musical for this year. Yeah. Um, and particularly looking at the struggle between like a kind of forward-looking youth generation versus a nostalgic older generation. Mm. It's a very big generational Get, culture clash. Guess who happening. wins out? Guess who wins out in this yeah. in this year? Um, so should we chat first about our outstanding play for the year? Is it outstanding? We'll find out. Um, yeah, so the winner of Outstanding Play was Sunrise of Campobello um, by Dore... It's just Dore. Dore. It's a Dore. All right. I looked it up. Dore Sherry. Dore Sherry. Um, produced by People. Um, yeah. Sorry, is that mean to just cut <laughs> I, that down? I, I There's too many I don't feel nominees. like the producers is that interesting, unless it's like someone with a funny name. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, Dor Sherry's Sunrise at Campobello is a three-act play about FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, mm, or Roosevelt. The early days. Um, and is, about he, is his... he Southern? No. Yeah, Which, well, this is, this is, we had that discussion. We have no idea where he's from. We should look that up. Yeah. Well, um, we've got him in a tab here. Let's find out. Roosevelt. Where were you born? From? Where is he What's from? What's your accent like? He... Should we just... Early life. Should we get He's a... New Yorker. He's a New York boy. Oh, He's New Yorker. Southern. What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. Huh? No, he wouldn't uh... sound like that either. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, basically, it's all about his struggles with um, disability and going through illness and ending up, um, yeah, losing the use of his legs and how he was um, able to break into the political field despite that because of his determination yeah absolutely and it's quite a um it's quite a remarkable story um because he's quite a remarkable man um of of being very uh, the kind of drive of the play is about him being very forward focused and motivated to make sure that he um doesn't just settle and uh live in hyde park and uh that and overlook um pastures uh that yeah he remained motivated and still in political life. Do you want to yeah. talk about the nominees before we get into this fully, or uh, how do you no, feel? No, let's talk about the play first, I think, and then we can talk about that, particularly just because of the structure of this time. This is we can sure. cut, 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 cut this bit out. No, 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 no cutting, <laughs> no cutting. Cass has a, an elaborate structure that yeah. uh, I didn't, um, I didn't realize we were getting into. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, what were your thoughts generally on this play as a whole, like? rather than talking about it plot-wise, because the plot is basically simple. It's just we see over the snapshots of different times in the sort of 1920 to 1923 era, like Franklin going from a healthy, able-bodied man to a like fully paralysed person to having get, getting use of his arms and back, yep. and then you know being able to, to do walk big ten speeches steps and, in order to support Al Smith. Yeah, get to give a nomination to yep. the leader and becoming a political figure again in terms of the general vibe of this play um you know in terms of how it's written it's not badly written um it's it is pretty readable it's you know kind of boring but uh it's not like an absolute slog like some of our yeah we've read some real slogs um you know for this 
for this project and this was more interesting than a lot of them we did get through it in one night we didn't have to stop and take a rest well yeah. even when we started at 9 30 it was um, it was still it's still a bit hard at the end but maybe that was just because i'm slightly sick and and some of yeah. the accents were starting to drain on me especially only, when there's a character that it's like he coughs coughs and wheezes all the way through the play yeah also this That's play was not to written like to that. be performed by two people in their bedroom yeah. oh uh, many yeah. many characters uh, um, but i'd say that um that he uh that the 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 play yeah and i got you know you still kind of do get attracted to that nostalgic kind of vibe i don't know about you but i'm still like oh you know this is this is like nice kind of uh they're they're reading julius caesar as a as a family like there's something kind of appealing to it but um ultimately it, it 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 didn't grasp me um very strongly um he is it's very much a celebration of yeah. fdr he uh, the it, only moments that we see him um struggling uh where he gets quite you know he's, he snaps at people which is pretty understandable if you're in a situation like this and even then it's just harsh you know little moments and then two minutes later he's like oh i'm sorry about that i shouldn't have snapped and uh and then just uh, grappling with the situation uh, itself of trying to learn how to crawl and, and move and, and walk yeah i think a problem with sunrise at campobello and one of the reasons why it it's lacked kind of the sticking power of some of the other plays that we've covered is that it doesn't have like in terms of complexity it's not the the characters are all fairly one note in terms of what they do because mm-hmm. the, the the conflict is really just fdr and his legs yeah like that's really the where the conflict lies most of the characters they come back in they come do things but they sort of are on this they just do the same thing the whole time you know like eleanor roosevelt is just supportive the whole time pretty much yeah. she's got some you know she she's struggling to deal with her husband's illness and she doesn't like to see him like this but she doesn't really you know she's sort of in that mode most of the time and i think um some other things that might be more interesting to uh, the 50s audience is that there are specific references to eleanor going and doing speeches or his Mm. support of boy scouts like that would be oh yeah cool i remember that whereas for people of our age and we're new zealanders we're not as densely um populated with the mythology of presidents I mean, we don't presidents. really we don't really know much about that stuff you yeah, yeah pretty much that was a very verbose yeah, there's that, that yeah. thing i mean there's there's also it's quite hagiographic in terms of he is basically saintly in this there is no sense of fdr having flaws and fdr had flaws like a lot of there are policies that he put in place that are you know have had a lasting bad effect <laughs> like yeah you know he's the guy that did japanese internment and like you know redlining and stuff like that mm. he's not just the guy that did the new deal and saved everybody from the depression i'm trying to think of an equivalent um, yeah. in like a film like <laughs> you know something like the iron lady or something like that where it's just like wasn't well, this person great yeah um, it's sort of all about like just his like his strength um and i think you could also read a pretty critical reading of this from a like disability rights movement perspective as well it's very like hallmark attitude towards like oh he's so plucky getting over like the terrible battle with his yeah yeah confinement it's very um yeah there's a sense of like oh there's no way that a man without use of his legs could ever become a politician wow he did it despite everything despite the odds it's a very kind of you go girl kind of like yeah then know. there's many lines Woo! like oh if only i had my legs i'll be his legs da, 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 da. yeah it's uh it's a very old-fashioned kind of way of looking at 
that particular issue and i think that's of its time yep. um you know it's yeah like this whole sense of you know this is the perfect american family that was struck down by um, yeah yeah this this like dastardly illness hmm. um um uh his friend howie uh there's some supporting characters that are relatively interesting how how you started saying how at the start of our reading and then you switched to howie i like howie he's called he's called louis howie and i just think that's more of an interesting name um Um, uh in terms of i guess we were scrambling for bits in terms of accents he has a grandmother (laughs) called uh sarah Sarah. I don't know if Sarah. I don't know if Sarah is actually like French from France. We just decided she had a French accent I think she because was. she kept There's trying to tell everybody to, to speak French yeah. to her. Um, um yeah. so we've had some the the kind of interesting fun characters. There's a bit of animosity between them and I guess we were scrambling for drama and there is they don't like each other. So yeah. sometimes that rears up and sometimes you're like, ooh, but drama? They, but they continue to not like each other throughout. Yeah, there's no that's real fine. resolution to it. Um there's just kind of this sense where how really wants um, FDR to keep being a politician. Hmm. Sarah wants him to, you know, put his health first, and therefore he should, you know, go back to sitting in his garden and doing nothing. Um, and, and some of this comes from the the problem of doing a kind of, um, yeah, studying a person that actually exists um, and trying to create drama around that. You hmm. need to create a framing device that actually will, yeah, create some drama instead of just recounting events. Oh, these two people didn't like each other. This, da, 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 da. yeah. Um, I don't know. There is this deep, and I mean, we've actually talked a lot about this on this pod- podcast because I think the fifties, in particular, it's a very nostalgic era. Yep. Um, it's that kind of post-war thing where everybody is like nostalgic for the days pre-war. Yeah. And so there's a lot of stuff like Wonderful Town, where we're nostalgic for the nineteen tens, or like here, there's a very like, it's a very much a sense of you know, of course, you remember the greatest president of all time, um, yeah. and like his yeah. days, and it's this look back to um, FDR. 20 years ago yeah and and they're not in a position that they're willing to admit any kind of um flaws or yeah it's not the point where enough time has passed that they can sit back and give a critical eye to this person it's more like enough time has passed that they've gone oh man i wish he was our president still he was a good he was a strong man he knew how to make choices um there's a lot of arm wrestling scenes in here where he just yeah, you know, it's this thing where it's, they boys. kind of show, like, yeah, his physical strength is so strong that even though he's, like, got no use of his lower body, he can still he's, wrestle his boys to yeah, the ground. He, like, throws That's them a real like man. A, yeah. Like, <laughs> he, uh, the, yeah, there's there's uh, scenes in it where he, he, like, picks the two boys up and he, like, spins them around in quite, a, quite an elaborate-sounding uh, move. Yeah. Um, yeah, so do you have any other final sort of closing thoughts on this? Uh, just if it uh, gets into the Tony Club, I guess, or not, the, the Tony, Tony Treasury, Treasury rather. Um, no. <laughs> uh, it's um, it's it's not really remembered that much as a play. Like, I don't think you could generally talk to a person on the street and they'd mention Sunrise at Camp at Bello as being a show that they've, you know, got any fondness for. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though. It got me more interested in wanting to learn about um, FDR. Like, obviously, I had uh, known somewhat and i will yeah do a little bit more research and you know he's uh you know it's an interesting it's definitely not the worst play that we've read in this um and it it definitely if you had to watch this it would hold your interest it reminds me a little bit of like like a production of it it reminds me of like anne frank in that way oh yeah that it's like it's not the greatest play in the world but Mm. you could read it and it would you know you could watch it and it would pass the time um yeah yeah it's like the dialogue is snappily enough written like with 
good performances. It could be. It's just it's quite dry. Yeah. Um. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I'd watch it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a no from me for the Tony Treasury as well. Mm-hmm. Should we yeah. talk about um uh, your 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 segue that I I nearly ruined? Yeah. So um there are quite a few categ- like uh plays in this category. I uh, think yeah. this was a big boom year for new plays. Um, I don't know most of them. We've got the other options are The Rope Dancers by Morton Wishingrad, Two for the Seesaw by William Gibson, Time Remembered by Jean Henri, The Dark at the Top of the Stairs by William Inge. Oh, I do feel like I recognise that one. Um, Look Home with Angel by Kitty Frings, Romanoff and Juliet by Peter Ustinov, and Look Back in Anger by John Osborne, which is the one that I did recognise the most. And probably stands the test of time. Yeah, and which I have read. And it's not like a play that I love. I I feel like there are... What's the main character called? Johnny or something, right? Uh, Jimmy. Jimmy. Um, but I think it's much more interesting than Sunrise at Campobello in terms of its place in the theatrical canon and its influence later on. It's this whole like realist working class play that's sort of founded the Angry Young Men movement um, because it's about this like young guy um, who sort of it's I mean it's it's kind of like in a lot of ways it's quite misogynistic and that's why oh, it doesn't really like I I can't warm to it really as a play it staged but it no. show it sort of shows the anger and frustration of the young generation in the 1950s who feel like they've had some sort of part of their masculinity thwarted because they didn't have a war to go and fight mm. in their you know prime of their youth and so there is this violence that's kind of within them that they end up lashing out there's a famous scene in this play where a whole lot of young guys just like kill a baby no no that one's the edward bond play saved oh what's the thing oh that's sorry that's the other one but that is uh saved as part of the angry young man ah i read those at the same time that's why i'm getting them mixed up no this one's just lots of like there's a lot of wife fighting and um and it's just like yeah yeah and and that that performance uh is always praised as you know complicated and interesting and stuff like that and that's not to say that like violent characters can't be complex and interesting streetcar uh, stanley kowalski and streetcar named desire is a character that i think is can still be talked about and yeah i think it's just that in this way you're supposed to agree because the the wife is upper class and he's working class and he right. kind of just takes out his anger about her class oh, on Jesus. her physically Fuck that. and that's like yeah yeah um yeah, so you're supposed to you're supposed to support it, which I guess is the the problem. Not necessarily support it, but the the text implicitly empathizes it's with him quite him. a lot. Right. Um, but yeah, so it's an interesting play that I don't know is particularly like wonderful, but I think is much more interesting and much more influential than something like Sunrise at Campobello. Hmm. Um, so it's very interesting to see it nominated in the same year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which brings us to oh, we have a lot of musical break. Do we? So, yeah, we do normally. Let's chuck it it's in. It's been so long since we've done this, we can't remember anything. Yeah, but uh, you may notice when you come back that a similar refrain can be seen in the musicals. We'll be right back. And we're back. 
Welcome, we are now talking about the Outstanding Musicals of 1958. Yes, and the Outstanding Musical winner for 1958 was The Music Man, which was by Meredith Wilson and Franklin Lacey, um, both book and music and lyrics, um, and produced by our fave Kermit Bloomgarden, who we only mention because he's got a funny name. Oh, so good. It's a great name. We were um, recently visited by Kermit here in New Zealand. The real Kermit, not Kermit Blue Kermit Garden, the Frog. I think it's Yeah, dead. it's probably dead. <laughs> um, we hear it was very good. Uh, we didn't go. But whenever I wore my, what's it called? Groucher. No, not Your Groucher. Oscar the Grouch hat. Oscar the Grouch hat. Uh, people smiled at me more often than they usually do. But it does get a lot of smiles. Yeah, oh, that's a little tangent a, there. It's a great tangent. It's definitely going to hold up in future episode listening. I think um, people will like it. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> the music man. What was your experience with this play prior to? I mean, we this we normally talk about this before each of them, but we didn't have any prior experience with Sunrise at Campobello, so we didn't really need to. Yeah. Did you know the Music Man before reading this? Uh, vaguely. Um, so I was involved in a play uh, called The Reviewers, where we uh, we looked at a segment from the Music Man for a specific scene as kind of inspiration for a kind of nostalgic uh, uh, vibe that we wanted to evoke. We also looked at. Um, my fair lady um uh for the music man we looked at the the library sequence but that was my first experience of seeing it um but i know a lot of people are like ee, um exciting cool music man mm. and uh your mum uh, is also a humongous fan of it well she's not a humongous fan she just Doesn't remembered she? it oh yeah um <laughs> she and just remembered it fondly when we mentioned that we had to talk about it for the next one and when we looked it up on imdb we realized that ron howard plays the little boy yeah um what's little he called boy again? with a with a lisp a what's lip. his name um, should we click it? Uh, it's like Johnny or Freddy. Or... They're all bloody called those names. I don't like... know. One of those little boy names. I think there's Winthrop. Oh, okay. Not not one of those names at all. That's quite that's quite different. No, there is a Johnny though, isn't there? There's the, yeah. the who's the bad guy. That's right. Um, Tommy. Weird. Tommy Gilles. Tommy. <laughs> um, there's always at least one of those in every play. We meet him on a train, eh, Tommy? Yeah. No, no, no. He, that's Charlie. Oh. He's also bad. Yeah, so um, plot-wise, let's talk about what happens, basically, in the Oh, did you man. have an experience with us? No. First uh, no, I, Music Man's one that I have never really uh, watched or read or seen any productions of. I knew it existed and knew that it was something about a man that did music, yeah. because I guessed that from the title. Right, yeah. uh, so that's, <laughs> that's, good the limit, that's the limit of my knowledge. Yeah. Um, so let's start out. So we start out on the train with Charlie, as you said before. Two, two. whole lot of salesmen um, talking about how it's become really hard to become a traveler salesman because there's this guy that has been going around called dr harold hill that mm. has been um doing this scam on towns and so anytime another traveling salesman comes to a town that harold hill's been to they like chase him out of town and plant a tar and feather him what is it about problematic man called hill we got it in my fair lady too isn't he called what? what's 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 the guy's name henry oh higgins hill uh, uh double h names i don't know henry hill Henry Higgins, Harold Hill. Harold Hill. <laughs> They're just different H's. Yeah, but but I think you can tell a man <laughs> and their and their moral worth, um, their slight ragabond charm by the two H's. I like that we both just have brains like sieves and don't remember anything from six months ago when we last did the podcast. Yeah, but it's kind of like that way of thinking is it's kind yeah. of inspired. It's just spotting it. We we artists are a funny folk. Anyway, yeah. HH, anyway, what's up? So, for Harold Hill. Um, and so, of course, Harold Hill is one of the guys on that train. What? <laughs> and he realizes that he should go to this small town and 
Iowa. It's also 1912, again, like said in the past. Back in the old um, You know, that nostalgic era. Um, and he's going to go to the small town in Iowa, which is, I think, where he was from originally, because he's got a mate who's there who That's right. um, or no, his calls mate, him by his old name. His mate moved there, maybe? Yeah, or either way, like he's got some experience he with this town him. before, but he doesn't know anybody in the town. How fortuitous. Um, and he's changed his name, and he makes this. He starts working his scheme, and his scheme is that he sells everybody musical instruments and tries to get them to all form a boys' band. Hmm. Um, and he says that uniforms are going to be ordered. Yeah, that they all have to buy uniforms, they all have to buy musical instruments. Um, you know, he tr- gets all of the women together to do like a dancing class where they all have to buy their dance equipment and charge for dance lessons. Hmm. Um, and then the scheme is he gets them to, you know, buy all this stuff, gives them all these instruments, gives them all these uniforms. Um, but then he doesn't know any music. He's like fake teaches them how to play everything and then he skips town Tigers before off. they have to do a performance. Um, but uh, at this time... He also has a romance with the local music teacher slash librarian who kind of plays the piano. She's like not really an actual music teacher. Yeah, um, and he's Marian. just like, I, I like you because you do library stuff. Yeah, he well he tries to basically seduce all of the music teachers whenever he goes to places right. so that he can avoid their scrutiny. Ah. Um, but on that love charm. Because she's a librarian, she's too smart. She figures out that he's actually been lying about his music training. But at the same time, he gives uh, some, you know, he, he introduces uh, her little brother, Winthrop, or Ron Howard. That's right, they are bro- brother and sister. Yeah. Uh, mm. So he's got a lisp, he's been really mm. shy, and because Harold Hill introduced him to playing the cornet, he suddenly gets really, really confident, and so she decides to Mary, like yeah, be with him, kind of likes that because he helped her brother. What um, a what a what a tricky pickle we're in. Yeah. He he seems like not a great guy, but then also there's qualities about him that are nice. What are yeah. we gonna do? How's it all gonna end? Um, so yeah, generally he goes around. There's a mayor who is really uh not keen on Harold Hill's presence, um, but everybody else is charmed by him. He was fun to voice. Um, he got to be. Yeah, loud Even and bullshit. Yeah, um, and also, yeah, basically he is trying to skip town um, before the big performance because if he's there for the big performance, they'll all realize that nobody's learned he anything, um, and they'll chase him out of town. But he just feels like he can't go because he's got this new love affair with the librarian. Ends mm. up staying for the final performance, and in the final performance, they are really, really bad. But all of them think that they were great because it's all each. You know, they're looking at their own children and going like, "Wow, like, oh, this, what a what a fantastic." job everybody did also wrapped up in this um about two-thirds of the way through that charlie is it charlie rocks back up oh yeah it's like three quarters of the way it's almost at the end yeah the, the guy the other salesman and um, tries to reveal to marion like hey he's the truth. fake and then she's like D- not right away she says i already know so, but she uh, she reveals that to Harold at the end. I don't know. There's lots of little plot bits like that. It's not a hugely plot-heavy musical, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, it's largely character-based. Um, yeah, it's mostly just like and Harold patter. doing his classic patter. Oh, um, we'll get into the patter. Let's get into the patter now. Should we get into the patter? Yeah. So, um, what's this dude's name called? Um, the actor what? that played him. The first person. Oh, um, one second. That played Harold Hill. This so, man... this dude can't really sing too yeah. well. Um, I, I thought he was fine because I don't also sing too well, but then Cass was like, no, no, look, he's missing that high point. Yeah. Robert Preston. Uh, Robert Preston, I think they said charitably, he's got a very limited singing range. Um, which Which is true. Like sometimes when the range in the song is not. And so they just, they felt like writing, you know, for his, um, yeah, they, they would write for him. 
Uh, and so he um, has a lot of songs in this show, which are more kind of spoken in rhythm kind of patter. Do we want to pull quasi, up one of them? Quasi proto rap. Can we play one of them now? Um, just on YouTube? Just to get Could give you just people... edit it in? Uh, <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm lazy and I don't want to do the editing. Okay. Um, because just to give you an idea of how it all works. Um, so let's do Music Man Robert Preston. You could do, yeah. You got trouble. Okay. Three. Don't know how long this instruction's gonna go. One. So that's a lot of it's sort of that pattery sound. Hmm. Um, so there's a lot of songs in it, which and I mean it's quite unusual because it's quite different to other stuff that we've covered, to be honest. Um, yep. Which is interesting, um, and some of the patter is like quite well done. Yeah, I think this yeah. is you got trouble is probably one of the best um, best ones of them. I yeah. Um, and it's an interesting yeah. song. You yeah. Know, he's trying to um, warn people. But it, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting um, motif to music continue. style, and I think it was it's a it's a good way of writing. You know, with in the knowledge of you know your leading man is more of an actor with a com- comic smile. Yeah, and, good and a articulation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the fact that it appears so many times, um, and yes. not just limited to his character, to a lot of other kind of characters. Um, uh, well, not a lot, but I, I'd say a lot of the other male characters. There are quite characters. a few of the male characters, particularly. Yeah, it's sort of this thing, yeah. this gender division, where the women have, like, Barbara Cook, who plays the female lead. Like, Marion has all of these songs that Lovely are just boring ballads. that are kind of boring. Real boring ballad, like, you know, that old-style musical theatre ballad, where it's just kind of like a long, slow... into him. And the, the lyrics are just like, the stars I I like are full him. of love. You know, it's very boring. Yeah. Um... She gets one good one near the end, right? Yeah, she's got a nice one at the end. What's it called? Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember. Um, I Don't Got Trouble. Um, Yeah. No Trouble Here is what it's called. I don't know. It's so moving. I don't know. She Um, has one at the end. No Trouble in This Zone. Uh, Yeah, so the fact that the the patter, uh, which could be really nice for like one song, gets repeated so many times, kind of dilutes it a little bit. There are sort of three different types of song in this there's the patter there is the um boring ballad and then there's also barbershop quartets because oh, yeah. there's this thing where harold hill convinces these four sort of committee guys that always fight that they should sing a barbershop quartet and the thing is they haven't really written like plot related songs for barbershop quartet to sing they have just done barbershop standard numbers hmm. so they just come in and then it kind of the plot slows to a crawl yeah. as the barbershop quartet and i love barbershop barbershop i'm a big fan of i sang barbershop in high school hmm. but you can't just stop the show to do an unrelated barbershop number like three or four times like yeah. it's quite, quite a lot they're, they're throughout quite the long. show they're not they're quite like long and they're quite slow it's they're not, just not a little like taste it's just you know full-on yeah better singing and it's the barbershop quartet is not connected to anything and so that's like the thing the, that i found kind of annoying i like the characters like that when they were it's all a cute idea hating each other and stuff like that I was like, oh, this could be interesting. Maybe they'll, you know. But once they were bonded and just singing together as a group, it just bored me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, in terms of the music, um, it's kind of, 
like, I can't say that I'm particularly in love with any of it. No. Um, there are, yeah, there are songs which I think work fine for the context. Um, there is some fun writing, particularly in the patter stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not really, like, that melodically interesting that I was like, oh, yes, I'm going to get this stuck in my head. Like, you know, we've sort of forgotten everything yeah. from this show. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like brass bands. Um, that as an image is quite cool. And I think seeing that represented... Are they meant to be... They're not that good at the end, though, No, right? they're bad. They're really yeah. bad at the end. That's the whole point. Yeah. So that's not so fun. <laughs> A bad um, brass band. But um, I think the idea of... I guess Winthrop was kind of cute and yeah um, it's in a lot of ways a lot of the a lot of the songs feel like that kind of biscuits number that we're talking about where it's a charm song yeah it's a whole bunch of biscuits a lot of them have had this you know a lot of the musicals we've looked at like stuff like South Pacific it's like oh let's just stop and we're gonna do a show like for some reason you know um buddy what's it called I don't know the ball game one we did with the devil oh um damn Yankees damn Yankees yeah. God, we've got no memory. Damn Yankees has got that thing where they're just like, yeah, let's just do this song for no reason. Um, you I, know, But none of them had quite as many as this show, which most of the show seems to kind of, musical numbers are just, you know, they you don't need them necessarily. You Got Trouble is good because you actually need that song because it's important to the plot. I'd also say that, um, um, once again, you've got a character in a lot of these musicals that are charismatic but problematic. Um, and I guess they're not aiming to be uh oh well, i guess they are exploring that they there are actively like, saying oh this guy is swindling people yeah there's like that underlying there's an underlying sexism and without like throughout music yeah. man and also some underlying like unnecessary racism because they're just all dressed up in native american costumes yeah, like the whole right. time for no reasons doing like fake native american chanting and stuff yeah. which is just his, not great his picking um, up of the of mary and um in yeah. the library is it's very it's uh you know he just pesters and... her until she gives in kind of thing the classic like you know broadway of a pre you know sort of earlier era type of courtship is generally the charismatic man pursues the retiring woman until she yeah and we see this in. a lot we see that in you know, um, um kiss me kate um yeah this is definitely not lady. as bad as kiss me kate no. or even my fair lady in some ways yeah. like it's just kind of got that low level this is the norm of the 1950s mm. um so this is the context that we're living in uh, i like the idea of the character of harold hill but he doesn't nearly get to the level of exciting like a con man is inherently exciting a lot yeah. of the time i'm like oh cool you know like you know the sting or what, whatever um it's it, it gets you on the edge of your seat but um they don't really yeah. exploit it to their yeah the whole like the fast talking con man thing like it's yeah it's fun um yeah. it's not the best example of it that i've seen hmm. um obviously this show um has had a pretty long life like you know despite the fact that neither of us have really experienced it i hmm. know in across the states particularly it um is very often put on yeah lots um, of revivals yeah i think because it's one of those things that works for an amdram production really well because True. it's like you need a you whole lot of people that are bad at like... being playing instruments you know you need a whole lot of people that are more enthusiastic than they are like good yeah um and, and you have so these it's songs kind of built patter. for this yeah, yeah. And, and again the, the songs you need one good singer to play marion you need a charismatic performer to play harold hill everybody else you can kind of just sort oh of, kermit you so, thought of everything <laughs> yeah so it's um yeah it had a it's it's got this very easy to put on kind of appeal which i think has meant that it's uh really lived for quite a long time as a show um and once again this play um 
with what we're talking about with this musical rather uh, reflects what we're talking about with the plays of of highlighting an earlier kind of nostalgia um uh that audiences uh seem to want to to go back to especially if it was yeah, being celebrated and it's awarded. you know this 1912 is the setting um you know we're writing it in 1958 so it's yeah, it's the time of, you know, the childhood of the older generation of yeah. the cast. It's this time of the simpler time pre the wars. Um, and it's, yeah, it's the same thing of wanting to go back to a time that I think people would like to believe was all about, like, everybody was just hanging out and playing in brass bands and the worst possible thing the youth were up to was they were down at the billiards hall playing pool too much. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, should we talk about the other musicals? Yeah, but uh, just quickly, does this go in the Tony Treasury in your mind or not? Not for me. Not for me. Um, I understand for some people it does. I know that a lot of people have a lot of affection for this for this show. Yeah. Um, because I think in a good production of it, it would be charming. You know, it's like quite fun. It's quite funny. It's not... Um, I just don't think musically it's anything particularly interesting. And like yeah. structurally, it, it's fine. Um, but the dialogue isn't so scintillating that it manages to, to overcome a lack of, yeah, real musical flavour. Yeah, I'd say no as well. Um, mm. If I saw a production of it, uh, a revival where they went, you know, big on the spectacle, that could be something that uh, entices me. But you're right, the, the kind of core elements of it don't mm. pull me in. Yeah. Um, sorry, Kermit. That's just gonna Kermit's be, the producer. That's gonna, I know, it's I know. It's Meredith Wilson be like and Frank running. Lacey yeah, that did all But producers stuff. have a lot of, you know, they start <laughs> up the project. This is Meredith Wilson's baby. Sorry, Meredith. Yeah. All right, so uh, should we talk about the other nominees? Yes. So the other nominees here were Jamaica by E.Y. Harburg and Fred Sadie, Oh Captain by L. Morgan and Jose Ferrer, uh, New Girl in Town by George Abbott and Bob Merrill, and of course the bigger, the big old guy, which is West Side Story by Arthur Lawrence, Leonard Bernstein and Stephen Sondheim in his first appearance on the Tony Tony Club. Oh, Sondy. Um, Welcome. So, yes, obviously West Side Story should have won this award. West Side Story is one of my top five favourite musicals. Um, and we'll talk about it a little bit here just because we're not going to get a chance to talk about it in any future Tonys. Yeah. Club episodes. Um, West Side Story, uh, I grew up watching the film adaptation of this. Um Obviously, there are problems with the film in terms of its casting because it it's, doesn't really adhere very well to the racial dynamic it's set up of the Puerto Rican uh, gang versus the, you know, Polish ancestry gang because yeah. they just cast a lot of white people in brown face for the Yeah, which isn't gang. great, I think. But that's a not lot a problem of, people... of the story. That's a problem of the production, I would yeah. say. And it's in that weird liminal space of people like... Well, it's not liminal at all, but like some people like those performances... And oh so yeah, like, I think that there's good performances. I'm but glad also, you've seen those performances. Like, I wish they hadn't. Happened. Shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, West Side Story. I just think is such an interesting piece of work. Like musically, it has stood the test of time and is such a classic score because it has some of the most you know beautiful music and most interesting music. Hmm. Um, like I think continues to be in musical theatre. Like its use of um choreography is one thing like it's it's it it was really groundbreaking the way that they use dance to tell a story in this musical like people kind of now parody and like joke about the dance fighting in this show Mm. but like they hadn't done that before this was the like this they made that up they made they introduced a vocabulary to show conflict through the body yeah it's so interesting the way that it discusses like youth issues and like this is another thing that we're talking about and it's the same 
problem, but writ even larger in the musical category as it was with the play category, hmm. where, like, this is a play about young gangs. This is what people were doing on, you know, the streets of New York without the dancing. But, like, people were fighting. People had, like, racial and interpersonal conflicts amongst the youth that, then you know, were leading to young people getting killed. And the older generations preferred to just, you know, hope that the youths were, you know, behaving the way that previous yeah, generations exactly. of teenagers They're had been playing behaved. in a band. It's like well no no yeah 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 like that yeah yeah it's this thing where like teenagers as a concept was being developed in the fifties like we didn't have teenagers really before this this Mm. is the first time you have young people that are in this liminal space between adulthood and childhood and are exploring that and West Side Story is a teenage musical Um, yeah and it explores love and violence and you know partisanship and gangs and family and chosen family in a way that, yeah, th- though it has become dated because of its, you know, some of its, like, slang and stuff like that, its actual I mean, conflict remains really, really, like, vibrant and still relevant today. I think it's, like, yeah. And in terms of... Um, so I came to West Side Story uh, uh, later because every time that someone had tried to show it to me, for whatever reason I wasn't in the right mood for it, I judged that kind of... Um, I don't know, the kind of look of the film is like, oh, this is, you know, something that my parents want to show me. Ugh, I was in a teenager, teenage years myself, and was like, <laughs> no, I can't be bothered with this old hat story. Um, so when I finally got around um, to watching it, uh, probably just in the last couple of years, when Cassandra and I watched it together, mm. um, I really, really fell in love with it. Um, and I guess my, what I can con- kind of contribute um uh, about this is that obviously it's an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet um, mm. but it doesn't it's not at all reliant I mean like it, it is using the bones of Romeo and Juliet but it feels very much like its own story sometimes you even just forget that it is an adaptation because mm. it feels so uh, lived in and vibrant whereas I feel like a lot of the times you can really see the um, the, the, the scaffolding the support that is propping up um, the 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 story, and if if it were to be knocked over slightly, then um then uh, the the adaptation of whatever it is you're seeing would just uh, fall apart. Whereas um yeah, there's the the characterization, the the the, the music, the dancing, everything about West Side Story is just very yeah. exciting. It's very invigorating to watch, yeah. even with its very long runtime. <laughs> um yeah. So anyway, I'm a huge huge fan of this musical. And I'm really sad that it didn't win the Tony, but I think the fact that it didn't is just a very interesting historical artifact because we can look back at the cultural clash of 1958 and go, ah, so at this point, the establishment were the people that were voting for the Music Man, that were the people that were looking at a nostalgic show that's a light comedy that's all about, you know, um, the hokey, like, and the good-hearted people of Iowa the, the corn-fed beauties of Iowa. At one point in the script that says corn-fed beauty. Yeah, that's right. cracked up. It was great. And a lot of the time, sometimes, <laughs> in a in a strange way, it is... It is... Uh, when, when a film doesn't win, sometimes, well, like with an Oscar... Or a play. <laughs> um, uh, I'm just thinking of uh, Oscars at, mm. at, at the moment, like um, a film can, uh, or a play or a musical, can kind of get a kind of curse from a, a major award. Um because of, of 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 where it sits in comparison with other things sometimes um the fact that it remains a kind of 
underdog. Nah, what am I saying? Like, West Side Story, like, it would have been great if it could have won. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not like these creators didn't get any other chances to win stuff another time. Yeah. Um, I guess what I was thinking of, like, Shakespeare in Love uh, being hated because Saving Private Ryan didn't win, or if La La Land um, had won and Moonlight hadn't, then La La Land, which is a fine enough film. kind of the opposite. <laughs> yeah i know i know that that yeah. that fun frothy stuff um that is fine in its own play way is uh not seen which yeah doesn't apply to this yeah at all but um one thing i would love to have seen of west side story just as a nice little side note is mm. the the revival one which um had extra additional lyrics from Lima Mo miranda in spanish um oh, so that yeah. they had translated some of the sharks music into um yeah spanish dialogue instead Hmm. Um, which I think I would be really interesting but I know some people felt like uh, there was a resistance to that because now of course this has become an establishment piece and so a lot of people are highly nostalgic for it hmm. and were like ah like um right. yeah um, they just didn't want it what, what, what do you mean they, they, they were like ah I don't want this these these translations we want it back in English where I like the way that I liked this song oh okay um, that's interesting yeah I mean and I'm really curious about how the film remake is going to go with Tony Kushner and Steven Spielberg. Um, if that ends up happening, which it looks like the cogs on that are turning, so I imagine it will. I'm not too resistant to um, remakes if it does look like that the creators have a passion and an energy for it. I wish it wasn't a, a white guy uh, making the thing, but as far as white guys go, Steven Spielberg is a pretty interesting creator. Mm. Um, as I'm well interested. As, I'll yeah. go on opening weekend. Yeah, and we really love Kushner. Um, so yeah. I think he'll do something quite interesting with it. All right. Do we have anything else to say about our main content for today? Um, not that I can think of. Uh, I just say that uh, thank you for sticking with us. Yeah. Sticking with Stinking us. Withing. Sticking with us. That, that's the kind of content that you yearn for here at the Tony yeah. Club. And uh, and that we are aiming to be a lot more regular in the future. There may be gaps. They may still happen. Let's but... not make any promises, but it will definitely not be another six months before the next episode. <laughs> That's a promise I'm making now. So I'm James Kane. I'm Cassandra Tees. And that was The Tony Club. Is that a new sign-off? No, that was it. That was the Tony Club, I say, and and this yeah. is the Tony Club. No, and that was that we always did this. And that was the Tony we Club. We always said, I'm sure we always did that at the end. And that was the oh, we said it together sometimes. Oh, should we try that again? Okay. And that was the wait. No, you go. I'm James Kane. Oh, okay, but I don't want to re-record it. I think this is cute. All right, this is the end. This is the fade out. I'm James Kane. And I'm Cassandra Tees. And, and that, that was, was the, the Tony, Tony Club. Club. Do 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 do. <laughs>